It's time for another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Steve. Welcome, everybody. Um, we're back in the studio today. We think we have a great show lined up for you. So before we get started, I want to remind everybody you can find us on Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Just punch in Core Extra Podcast, and you'll find us on all those locations. And now we're even on Good Pod. And I'm learning how to work good pods, and it's a lot of good stuff over there, a lot of indie podcasts. So check us out, subscribe, hit that like and subscribe button so you don't miss one episode of the Core Extra Pod. Not one. So, Steve, uh, as usual, I have a 5K review for you. I enjoy these 5K reviews. I've actually listened to some of them. Yeah. Well, especially since I, I, I say I'm right in front of you. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to hear them. Well, technically. I actually listen to it. <laughs> no matter how close or yeah, far you are. Most you of the time, listen. I don't listen to what you have to say. But right. I do listen to it. Yeah. So, the one I have for you this week is Citizen Kane Versus. Citizen Kane Versus. And you can find them at Citizen Kane Versus on Twitter. So, let me read what they had to say and uh, how they describe themselves. And I'll give you my review. A bi-weekly movie review podcast where we pit a beloved classic against a thematically linked piece of schlock and ask ourselves honestly, which is better? <laughs> okay. Schlock. Yeah. I like that. They're out of uh, Toronto, Ontario. And I, oh, think, that, I think that's near Canada. Is that a, is that a, I've never heard the word schlock. No? No. Huh. Is that a Canadian word? No. Huh. I don't know. What's the difference? What's the difference? I don't know. So here's my five. <laughs> right. Here's my 5K review, my five-star 5K review of Citizen Kane versus Daniel, Jack, and Sean have created a unique approach to discussing films, and the format works on all levels. They each have a deep knowledge of films and the filmmaking process and expertly convey that knowledge to the listener. Add to your rotation today. Very interesting podcast, uh, very well done. Again, like I say, they are our friends north of the border in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So give a listen and a subscribe and a like to Citizen Kane versus. Okay, so I understand. I think I understand. So explain to me how they do this. Oh, okay. Well, like one of the episodes that I really enjoyed that I listened to, they talked about Friday the 13th, the original, and they put that up against Sleepaway Camp. Okay. Another slasher film. Yeah. See what uh -huh. I mean? So it's both the same same theme. And they go deep into casting, the music, the pacing, and everything. And Because uh, basically those are the same movies. Oh, yeah. You, you know, after after uh, Friday the 13th, you start seeing a lot of these movies where all oh, the teenagers are in the woods and they get chopped up, <laughs> you know. Yes. So that's how they do it. That's how they do it. And it's very well done. Again, it's Citizen Kane versus. So check them out. Also, just I want to mention our local podcast friends here, the Slay Queens, and of course LP over at A Cincy Fan Talking Podcast. And I mention those because they continue to pump out some good episodes. Yes, we always want to mention them. And lastly, for this segment, lastly, 
We have listeners in two new areas. Oh, okay. Uh, the Ukraine. So we want to welcome our friends from the Ukraine. And also we have some new listeners in St. Vincent and the Grenadines down in the Caribbean. So we want to welcome everybody there. And hopefully it'll spread like wildfire oh, throughout, the throughout the Ukraine. throughout the Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. So uh, hope everybody's Especially enjoying the it. Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Well, you have people over there, don't you? Yeah. Bust. One day I'll tell you guys about my 23andMe map. <laughs> you know. I didn't know you did Oh, that. yeah, I did it. My map is something else. Let me really? tell you. Yeah, it's something else. Really? I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I'm not putting that online, but I'll tell you about it. But anyway, uh, again, uh, Citizen Kane versus. Uh, don't forget a Cincy fan talking with our friend LP and the Slate Queens. And you can find us everywhere on social media. But uh, hit those buttons. Indie podcasts really depend on reviews and and ratings. So hit those buttons so you don't miss a miss a thing. Well, Steve, you know, just a few days ago was Veterans Day. Our show is kind of um, veteran related. Yeah, veteran related today. So we have some good stuff for you. But Steve's going to start. He has a very interesting story related to veterans, and then I'll give you guys one. So Steve, it's all you now. Well, the reason we Picked this day, Veterans Day. Both our fathers served in the war. Uh, Kurt's father in the European War, with my father fought in against the Japanese. Right. Uh, so we thought this would be great, great day to bring this stuff up. But does, do you know why Veterans Day is on November the eleventh? Yes, I do. But maybe but I'll tell our listeners. Maybe some people don't know. Veterans Day is on the 11th because it is the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month that the armistice was signed for World War I in 1918. A lot of people don't know that. And it's snowing outside. So I just had to throw that in there because we just did not expect that today. But um, so I thought that was, that was very interesting, even though they United States, I think it was one of the presidents, or Ford, I can't remember. I just know he changed it back to November the 11th. So both of us have been to D.C., and both of us have been to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. So we thought that's a pretty good topic to bring up, because a lot of people out there don't know the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I found out that the tomb is... uh, you know, when you say the unknown soldier, they actually went to four different cemeteries in Europe and pulled out of unknown graves small parts of four different individuals. Oh, did they? Yeah, I did not know that. No, I didn't know that. And brought it to D.C. at to Arlington Cemetery. I actually did not know no. that. As much as we usually do know, we did not know that. You would think we would. That's something everybody should know. It, it really is. should. It truly yeah. is. If you haven't been to, uh, if you haven't been to D.C., you need to go obviously to see all the, the sites. But you need to go to Arlington Cemetery, and you need to see the changing of the guard. But I thought I'm going to bring up something about. I was going to write it down, but I'm just going to read it because it's, it's just too complicated, to uh, write down and try to give you. My opinion, you know, it's just too complicated to write down. I'm going to leave something out, and I'm not going to do it justice. Right. 
These are interesting facts about the tomb of the unknown soldier. All right, I'm going to put in a little question. How many steps does the guard take during his walk across the tomb of the unknown and why? They take 21 steps. Hmm. It alludes to the 21-gun salute, which is the highest honor given any military or foreign dignitary. Um, Everyone knows I work at Spring Grove Cemetery. We had a military funeral the other day, and they got a 21-gun salute. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay, how long does the guard hesitate, if you've seen it, before he does his about face? That's a good question. Again, 21 seconds for the same reason as number one. I did not know this. Obviously, I didn't know a lot of this. The gloves that they wear, they wear soaking wet gloves. And they wear soaking wet gloves to prevent the uh, guy from losing grip on the rifle. Oh. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. But I would think now there must be some kind of grip in the glove. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you're walking around. you got to be pros out there. Oh, yeah. Okay, does the guard carry the, sol- the rifle on the same shoulder all the time? No, he carries the rifle on his shoulder away from the tomb. After his march across the path, he executes an about-face and moves the rival, uh, rifle to the outside shoulder. The rifle oh. never faces the tomb. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know that either. And I'll tell you, they are very um, strict. You come up to the uh, tomb, and there are people that come up to try to take a picture. Right. They scream at They stop, turn, and scream at you. Get away from the tomb. I mean, it's, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's literally, you know, one more step in. Well, the sad part is right now, a lot of people are doing that. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't mean a lot. A, a bigger number of people are doing that on purpose so they can get Instagram photos right, and videos. Right. Yeah, but it's nothing to play around with. Okay, now here's the next one. How often are the guards changed? The guards are changed every 30 minutes, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So, wow. I mean, that's... That's unbelievable. And they live downstairs below the, t- the tomb. Okay, physical traits of the guard. They all got to be between 5'10 and 6'2. Get this. Their waist size can't exceed 30 inches. That leaves us out. Other requirements for the guards. They must commit two years of their life to guard the tomb. They live in a barracks under the tomb. And cannot drink any alcohol on or off duty for the rest of their lives. I did not know that. They cannot swear in public for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And cannot disgrace the uniform, fighting, or the tomb in any way. After two yard years, the guard is given a wreath pin that is worn on the lapel signifying they have served as guard of the tomb. There are only 400 presently worn. The guard must obey these rules for the rest of their lives or give up their wreath pin. Can you imagine that? Not wow. swearing or drinking the rest wow. of your life. It's a big commitment. You're not kidding. The shoes are specially made with very thick soles to keep the heat and cold from their feet. Metal heel plates that extend to the top of the shoes 
in order to make the loud click as they come to a halt. There are no wrinkles, folds, or lint on the uniform. Guards dress every day for duty in front of a full-length mirror. I mean, this is kind of... The first six months of duty, a guard cannot talk to anyone, nor watch TV. All off-duty time is spent studying the 175 notable people laid to rest in Arlington Cemetery. A guard must memorize who they are, where they are, and turn. Among the notables, obviously, are President Taft, Joe Lewis the Boxer, Medal of Honor winner Audie Murphy, the most decorated soldier in World War II. We know that we've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Every guard spends five hours a day getting his uniform ready for guard duty. Wow. More interesting facts about the Tomb of the Unknown is the 3rd Infantry Regiment at Fort Myer has a responsibility for providing ceremonial units and honor guards for state occasions, White House social functions, public celebrations, and internments at Arlington National Cemetery, and standing a very formal sentry watch at the Tomb of the Unknown. The public is familiar with the precision of what is called walking posts at the tomb. There are roped-off galleries where visitors can form to observe the troops and their measured step and almost mechanically silent rifle shoulder change. They are relieved every hour in a very formal drill that has to be seen to believe. I've seen that drill. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It really is. I mean, it's like, wow. Some people think that when the cemetery is closed to the public in the evening, that this show stops. First, to the men who are dedicated to work, it is no show. It is a charge of honor. The formality and precision continues uninterrupted at night. During nighttime, the drill of relief and the measured step of the on-duty sentry remain unchanged from the daylight hours. To these men, these special men, continuity of this post is the key to the honor and respect shown to those honored dead. Symbolic of all unaccounted for American combat dead, the steady, rhythmic step in rain, sleet, snow, hail, heat, cold, must be uninterrupted. When Hurricane Isabel came through the area, we had thousands of trees down, power outages, traffic signs out, roads filled with down limbs, and gear adrift throughout the cemetery and D.C. We had flooding, and a place looked like it had been hit by an offshore bombardment. The regimental commander of the U.S. 3rd Infantry sent word to the nighttime sentry detail to secure the post and seek shelter from the 80-mile-an-hour winds to ensure their personal safety. They disobeyed the order. During the winds that turned over vehicles and turned debris into projectile, the measured steps continued. One fellow said, I got buddies getting shot at at rock. Who would kick my butt if word got back to him that I let him down? As sure as hell have, I sure as hell have no intention of spending my army career being known as the damned idiot who couldn't stand a little light breeze 
<laughs> and shirked his duty. Then he said something in response to a female reporter's question regarding silly purposelessness, per- personal risk. I wouldn't expect you to understand. It's an enlisted man thing. Then just recently, when another hurricane hit D.C., the tomb of the unknown soldiers were ordered to take shelter. And they refused again, soaked to the skin in 90-mile-an-hour winds. I mean, I can't even imagine that. I mean, we just don't know. No. The tomb has been patrolled continuously 24 hours, seven days a week since 1930. I just think that was pretty cool. That everybody should realize the responsibility these young men put in. When I was in D.C. as a kid in the sixth grade, we went there. Of course, I didn't. Right. Know what the deal was. We went there and we went to Kennedy's, the eternal flame of uh, President Kennedy. Right. Right. And of course, you know, I, I really didn't grasp the whole situation. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean absolutely. I, I took a bunch of pictures, but because uh, even then I was taking a lot of pictures. And I have those pictures with the changing of the guard and all of that. But I don't think it was until I was in high school that I really remembered how, how, honorable it was to have seen it you know what i mean because yes. i haven't seen it since then you know but um when you read or you hear stuff like that it makes you makes you take a pause you know you're like wow man that's heavy duty that's dedication right there i mean just the idea that well first of all the no drinking and no cussing for the rest of your life i mean how right. do you not right I mean, we're bengal fans how do you <laughs> right. not cuss and drink <laughs> right but Man. just the idea that these guys do this. Um, and like I said, your father served in Europe. Yeah. My father in... served in the, the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you, the Core Extra podcast may not be here if they weren't so lucky to get out of there. I know, right? You know? Yeah, he was in Germany. And uh, he was in a you know, Jeep driver in a tank unit, the Seek, Stri- Seek Strike and Destroy tank unit. So he he was a Jeep driver. My dad was in the, before the Air Force had their own, he was in the Army Air Corps. And he was a mechanic. And, um, but if the atomic bombs hadn't been dropped, which everybody says is a bad thing, you know, too bad they did it. You know, if the atomic bombs hadn't been dropped, my dad was the first wave to attack Japan. He was in the first wave. Oh, was was he? And they estimated a million casualties. Not deaths, but casualties. Sure. So you can imagine uh, the relief those guys had. I don't think there's any of them that said we shouldn't have dropped that. But right. That's neither here nor there. But in, in my book, it's... You had to do what I you like had it. to do. <laughs> well, that's certainly... I mean, that's some factual... Yeah. That's some facts that I didn't know. I knew a lot about the Unknown Soldier, but I didn't I didn't know, know about taking the bodies from four different cemeteries today is the first time which, I heard which that. makes a lot of sense i mean for him to be i always wonder i just thought it was a unknown basically a symbolic thing yeah i i had no idea that they did yeah. that until today and uh, <laughs> until just a few minutes ago i didn't know that you know they just i don't know if you've ever seen any of those cemeteries 
that are around the world. I didn't realize there's like 20 cemeteries, U.S. cemeteries. You know, you you always see the one like at Normandy, you know, and, and places like that. Or if you've seen Saving Private Ryan where he goes to the cemetery. But they're like in 13 different countries. Yeah. That we have. Um, I didn't know that. U.S. military cemetery. A few years ago. I didn't know that until a few years ago. But that's our. Um, well, that's certainly appropriate for around um, Veterans Day. Um, like I say, we're past it as we take this, but we wanted to get that information to our listeners. Hope you find it interesting. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So I looked up something um, that I actually ex- experienced. Uh, it's a little different than this. I just think this is interesting, and it kind of leans toward our mystery type okay. things. So, so a few years ago, as you know, and some of the listeners may remember, because I did a couple of shows from there, we used to go down to um, Hilton Head, South Carolina. Where our place is, if we come out to the beach and look over to the right, I believe, we can kind of sort of see Tybee Island, which is in Georgia. So one day, we are planning on going, driving over to Tybee, okay? And just so happened on the news that night, they had a story about Tybee Island. So here was the promo. They said, next up, we're going to talk about, we're going to give you some information on Tybee Island after the break, right? But now we're like, oh, okay. okay. So we got to listen to this. So they come back from a break, and the lady <laughs> says, well, here's a story about the Tybee bomb. And I go, wait a minute, the Tybee bomb. Okay, now we got you got me intrigued. Yeah, I got to listen to this. So they tell this story. So here's the story about the Tybee bomb. Okay, February 5th, 1958, a B-47 bomber was on a simulated combat mission from Homestead Air Force Base in Florida. It was carrying a single 7,600-pound bomb. So at about 2 a.m., an F-86 fighter collided with the B-47 that was on this training mission. The F-86 crashed after the pilot ejected from the plane, so the pilot ejected. The damaged B-47 remained airborne, plummeting 18,000 feet from 38,000 feet when the pilot, Colonel Howard Richardson, regained flight control. The crew requested permission to jettison the bomb in order to reduce the weight and prevent the bomb from exploding during an emergency landing. Okay. So they have a bomb on this bomber, and they're going to And they just threw it out. Permission was granted, and the bomb was jettisoned at 7,200 feet while the bomber was traveling at about 200 knots, which is about 370 kilometers an hour. The crew did not see an explosion when the bomb struck the sea. They managed to land the B-47 safely at the nearest base, but that was Hunter Air Force Base. Colonel Richardson was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross after all of this. After he, pretty so he heroic. Was hit and he yeah, still was able to pretty land heroic. So let's talk about the bomb. Some sources describe the bomb as a functional nuclear weapon. Oh. But no wonder I haven't heard about this. <laughs> but others describe it as disabled. If it had a plutonium nuclear core installed, it was a fully functional nuclear weapon. If it had a dummy core installed, it was capable of producing a nuclear explosion, but could still produce, I'm sorry, it was incapable of producing a nuclear explosion, but could still produce a conventional explosion. 
Now, the 12-foot-long bomb weighs 7,600 pounds and has the serial number 47782. It contains 400 pounds of conventional high explosives and highly enriched uranium. I didn't know they had serial numbers. Yeah. The Air Force maintains that its nuclear capsule used to initiate the nuclear explosion was removed before its flight from the B-47. As noted in the Atomic Energy Commission Form AL-569 Temporary Custody Custodian Receipt for Maneuvers, Signed by the aircraft commander, the bomb contained a simulated 150-pound cap made of lead. However, according to the 1966 congressional testimony, the Tybee Island bomb was a complete weapon, a bomb with a nuclear capsule, and one of two weapons lost that contained a plutonium trigger. So in other words... This may be a fully functional nuclear, nuclear weapon. weapon sitting in, at, in the ocean. Yeah. Nevertheless, a study of the St- Strategic Air Command documents indicates that alert force test flights in February 1958 with the older Mark 15 payloads were not authorized to fly with nuclear capsules on board. That's what the government's telling us? <laughs> Such approval was pending deployment of safer sealed pit nuclear capsule weapons, which did not begin deployment until June 1950. Now, so so as far as we know, we might have a couple of nuclear bombs. Yeah, a couple of nukes sitting right off the coast of Georgia. Now, so starting in February 19th, February 6th, next day in 58, recovery efforts started. So the Air Force 2700 Explosive Ordnance Disposal Squadron and 100 Navy personnel equipped with handheld sonar and galvanic drag and cable sweeps mounted a massive search. On April 16, the military announced that the search had been unsuccessful. Based on hydraulic survey, the bomb was thought by the Department of Energy to lie buried under 5 to 15 feet of silt at the bottom of the Wausau Sound. In 2004, retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Derek Duke claimed to have narrowed the possible resting spot of the bomb down to a small area the size of a football field. Well, that's pretty good. That is real good. He and his partner located the area by trawling in their boat with a Geiger counter in tow. Secondary radioactive particles four times naturally occurring levels were detected and mapped, and the site of radiation origination triangulated. Subsequent investigation found the source of the radiation was natural, originating from monazite deposit. Now, here's some ongoing concerns. As of 2007, no undue levels of unnatural radioactive contamination have been detected in the regional Upper Floridian Aquifier by the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. And that is really where it stops. So, when you talk about the Tybee bomb, yeah, <laughs> some people say it has a nuclear trigger and a plutonium core. Other people say it doesn't. But as of today, they haven't to, found it. They haven't found it yet. It's laying down there at the bottom of the ocean somewhere. Well, now, here's a here's a question. I don't. You know how people go and look for those uh, sunken treasures? I don't think a lot of people are. Or getting a boat fired up to go look no. for a nuclear bomb. No, not, no. Uh-uh. 
But I thought that was an interesting. I'm not looking for it. I thought that was an interesting story because the next day we were heading over to Tybee. Now, I talked to some people when I was in Tybee. Oh, no, wait a minute. I, you know, I didn't talk to, like, Army generals or anything. But I just talked to some people, and they said, well, you know. I said, can a, can a nuclear bomb with a trigger in it just, boom, all of a sudden blow up? And I guess this isn't really a question that anybody can answer, really. Uh, some people say, no, no, it won't just blow up. Even if it has a nuclear trigger, it won't blow up. Other people that I've read online say, well, of course it could. That's what it's designed to do. But here we are in 2021, late 2021, so 2022, and then nothing happened yet. But apparently the Tybee bomb is still laying somewhere located off the coast of Georgia. Well, I we, wouldn't go near I mean, what's the difference? How far you got to get away? Uh, well, when we say I wouldn't go near it, what do you get? <laughs> you, you, have to be, you have to be further away than we were because yeah, we, were, we were in South Carolina. I think it's designed to do a little more damage yeah. than that. So, know, but there it is. Stay away from South Carolina now. There it is. The Tybee. The, so that, please feel free to Google the Tybee bomb. Yeah, you might. We're going to be sued by the sort of hero <laughs> of South Carolina. No, you can. This is. Uh, no, it's. No, oh, it, Georgia. It's, it's on there. You can find it. So that's all we have uh, today for our show today. We just wanted to salute all the combat veterans uh, so close to Veterans Day. And I hope you guys uh, heard some things today to make you go back and do a little more research about um, the military history of the United States. Uh, so it's a very interesting history. So, Steve, what did we learn today? We learned a lot today. Yes, we did. We learned, learned all lot. about the uh, – yes, we did. We learned about Veterans Day. We learned about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Which was very interesting. We learned not to get too close to – where is that, Tybee? Tybee. Tybee Island. Yeah. Stay away from there. Yeah. Well, you you can go there if you want. The the good thing about it is, if you're closer to the explosion, it's just like a flip of a switch. No, you won't even know. You know, what you you don't want to be is far away, and that radiation kills you over a 20 year period. You know, kind of like how close they were in Hiroshima. You know, you still got survived. You know, so you don't want to be too close. You don't want to be too close. No. But we learned that, and uh, we learned, of course, to listen to a couple of good podcasts, the local podcast being the Slay Queens and a Cincy fan talking with our friend LP. And we also learned that Citizen Kane Versus is a good podcast to listen to, a good movie podcast. So check check them out. And we also welcome the Ukraine and St. Vincent and the Grenadines to our listener group. So, uh, all I got to say. That's all we learned. Well, as usual, we want to thank everybody for listening, and please uh, check us out on all social media. You can get us, you you have to know by now, you can get us anywhere. Just punch in Core Extra, and we will pop up. Yeah, put it on, we're the first thing on Google. First thing on Google. Core, C-O-R-E-X-E-R-A. Yeah, put it in, Core Extra Podcast, and we will pop up, like a bad penny. We will pop up. Yep. We will and we pop don't up. even pay to be the number one. Mm-mm. No, no, they I did. They pay us. Yeah, they pay <laughs> Google pays. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening and uh, have a great week.